Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. So the message uh, that we had at the park last week, we talked about hunger. That was actually the first message in a, in a series that I want to call heart conditioning. We're going to call this series heart conditioning because as, as followers of Jesus... We want our hearts, what we discovered last week is, is our spiritual headquarters. We want our heart to be conditioned to pursue Jesus, to strive for his kingdom and his righteousness. If we don't have those things as the, the forefront of our hearts, then our hearts are being taken captive by something else. And that's, that's going to contest with all the things that God desires to give us in our lives. So like I said, last week we talked about hunger and how it, it conditions us to have a drive for Jesus, where we're not lackadaisical or just kind of easygoing about our relationship with Jesus, but we're driven towards seeking Him and finding Him if we seek Him with all our heart. If you missed that message last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it, because I think it plays a, a big part in what we're going to say today. If you want to find that message, you can go to our website, which is canducfc.com. Right at the top of the page, there's a link for our YouTube channel, and you can watch uh, last week's service in its entirety. Or if you just want the message, if you're like a, a podcast kind of person and you want to listen while you're driving, you can do that. Just hit the menu button and then find messages, and you'll find last week's message there, and, and all the other weeks for that matter as well. So today we're going to talk about another disposition for us as Christians to have uh, that, that should condition our hearts. And like I said, that disposition is called awe. A-W-E, awe. Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. I think this morning it's actually going to be a very simple message. I don't... I don't believe, but I mean, I could be wrong. It's up to the Holy Spirit to work in each of us individually. But I don't believe I'm going to blow us away with anything brand new. And that's okay. But I, I really feel like we're just going to reflect once again on a simple truth that has been so easily forgotten. And we're going to ask three questions and try to answer them all. What is awe? Why is it important? And why do we need to learn to be in awe? Or how do we need to learn to be in awe of Jesus? So let me pray, and then we're going we're gonna to start answering these questions one at a time. Lord, we just want to acknowledge once again that our heart truly is central. It's absolutely our spiritual headquarters, and there is no greater or more important part of who we are than our heart. You long to have our heart. Our heart is our center of our emotions, decisions, desires. And if, if for some reason you're not a part of our heart, I just don't even understand how you're a part of the rest of our lives because something that we don't desire is something that truly doesn't direct us. So Jesus, our heart once again, we just hold that open to you this morning. Even if we're reluctant, even if we're fearful, even if we're not even interested in holding our hearts out to you, I pray that you would gently and lovingly reach into our hearts and get our attention so that our desires would be for you more than anything else. Amen. 
All right, so first question that we want to talk about this morning. We read a verse about awe already, but what is awe? Awe is a kind of an interesting word because starting kind of in the 90s when I was in high school, people started using the word awesome like every other sentence. Hey, check out these chips I got from the vending machine. They're awesome. Are they really? I don't know. But that's what we would say, right? Everything was awesome. But the word awe is more than just good. And that's kind of what we used that word for so much when I was in high school. To be in awe, and especially to be in awe of God, is, is a fantastic blend of many things. The word awe that we have, we have the word awe in English. That's one word. But in the Greek and Hebrew, there's actually eight different definitions that give us this kind of cocktail of this amazing way to relate to Jesus. So to be in awe of God is to have a blend of wonder and fear respect, astonishment, reverence, adoration, amazement, and even to be dumbfounded or bewildered. That all, all of those things have to do with being in awe of God. So when I think of people from the Bible that exhibit awe, that are examples of awe for us, I think about Moses and his reaction of fear and reverence as he encountered God visiting him in that burning bush, right? That's from Exodus 3, if you want to find that story for yourself to understand what we're talking about. Moses was falling down on his face and in fear. It's like, whoa, I am unworthy to be here. And the Lord told him, take off your sandals for you are on holy ground. This is different than anything you've experienced before. I think of, I don't know why, I think of this guy often. I think of Bartimaeus, who was blind. He was a blind man living in the city of Jericho. And as Jesus is passing through, they, Bartimaeus says, hey, what's all the hubbub about? And someone says, it's this Messiah, the son of David, who's coming through our town. And Bartimaeus had heard of him. So he calls out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus commands, bring him here. And he says, what do you want? And Bartimaeus, probably in a little bit of just absolute euphoria, knowing that he's standing before Jesus, says, I want to see. And Jesus heals him on the spot. And then what's the, what's the response from Bartimaeus and from all the people who see this amazing healing? They praise God. That's the first thing they do. They worship him in reverence and awe because they're like, I can't believe this. This guy that we've known our whole life, Bart, he's now healed. He has his vision back. This is incredible, right? I think of two, um, Peter, James, and John, who are dumbfounded when Jesus takes them up on the mountain and Jesus is changed in his appearance. It's called the transfiguration, if you've heard of that story. He's changed in his appearance so that the disciples see Jesus, not just as he was, but now as he is in his heavenly glory. And on top of that, Moses and Elijah all of a sudden appear and they're having a little chat with Jesus. And God appears in this bright cloud and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. These three disciples, they just hit the dirt. Their faces buried in the dirt on this mountain. They're like, oh my goodness, is this actually happening? And then Jesus taps them on the shoulder and they stand up and it's like, oh, where did everybody go? But it actually took place. They were dumbfounded completely astonished, beside themselves because they could not believe the power and the majesty that they had seen in Jesus. I think about awe in my own life as well. And one time that I was in awe, one of the first times that I truly, truly, truly remember being in awe is when I, when I was working underneath a house 
We were getting it set on a foundation and this house shifted. Something wasn't happening properly and this house fell on top of me. And miraculously, God saved me by literally inches, inches. And I, and I was just amazed, like, God, you saved my life because I don't know how I lived. I think about being in awe of God when, when one night at our youth group back in, in Winnipeg, I prayed for several students and several of them were healed, like, right on the spot. And I was like, God, this is the most incredible night I've ever experienced. I think about being in awe when God called Karen and me into ministry through people who had no idea that for months already we had been praying and seeking the Lord on this. And then in one weekend, several people spoke into our lives and told us that they felt God was calling us into ministry and that God had been speaking to them about that and they felt now was the time they were supposed to tell us. How did they know? Right? Like, we were blown away that someone would know some facts about our lives that we had never told them about and no other person on earth besides our parents even knew that we were considering. We were in awe at those moments. I remember feeling in those moments, it's kind of like a sense of like you step back and say, whoa, I've always believed in God or I have believed in God for a long time, but he is so much bigger so much more powerful, so much more intricately involved in my life than I ever realized. To me, that's awe. You know what I'm saying? But in addition to being, or sorry, I was also going to say this. I, I think that we're starting to get a sense of awe, but to me, awe is partly an emotion. I don't know if you would consider that or, or in your life or not, but I think awe is partly an emotion. It's something where we're, we're purely reacting out of something that God does for us. It could be fear because we see God and his power and his majesty and we realize, oh boy, I am very small in comparison to him. Or it could be because we're totally amazed at his power, his authority, his knowledge or his presence. He's put himself on display in our life and we see it and we react and emotionally deep down within our hearts like, whoa, this is incredible. But in addition to awe being an emotion, something that we purely react to, this, this might be a bit of a surprise. I'm not sure if, what you guys think, but it seems to me that awe is also very clearly a posture of our heart that we can choose to have. So it's not only reaction, something that we can't help, but it's also something that we can choose to have. We can learn awe and we can practice awe if we are willing to. It's our choice to be in awe of Jesus or not. So awe is something that finds us, and it's also something that we can pursue. So now that we know a little bit about awe and how it's interacted in our lives, perhaps, the, the next question that I think is important to ask is, why is awe important? Why is awe important to us? I think about it like this. For most people, we tend to only follow someone that we respect, Willingly, We would willingly submit to someone who we respect. We, we've worked for employers perhaps in the past and it's like we didn't love the way they led. We didn't love the job that we had. We didn't love working for them, but we still wanted to keep the job. So we respected them in, in the, in as far as submitting to them. But, but willingly doing those things for no other reason than because we respected them, I think that's because we had to be in awe of them first. We might respect people we're in awe of, like uh, an industry leader, an athlete, maybe even a politician, or someone who is just an influential person in our life. 
For Christians, we praise and we worship a God with love in our hearts if, if we see that he is worthy of our praise and worship. I think it's the same thing for us that when we, when we trust God, when we revere God, when we stay loyal to him, when we're devoted, honoring, submissive, humble, when we serve him, when we love him, all of those things come and we give those kinds of attitudes and actions willingly to God when we are in awe of him. If we're not amazed by him, if he hasn't taken over our hearts because we're so blown away by how awesome God is, we're likely going to be very passive about how we're devoted to him or if we're going to trust him. Do you you see what I'm saying here, friends? So being, so without awe for God, none of those things, the trust and the reverence and the loyalty, none of those things are going to actually happen in a Christian life. We might go through the external motions and make other people think that we're devoted to God because, well, hey, I'm at church. Hey, so I must be devoted to God. I must be in awe of him. But I don't think that's really authentic awe just going through the motions. Without awe for God in our hearts, God knows that our worship, our devotion, our love for him is not authentic. Listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 29 Verse 13 and 14. He says, the Lord says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts. So we've been talking about conditioning their heart. The hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. That doesn't sound like awe, right? So here's God's response. Therefore, once again, I will astound these people with wonder after wonder. I've read that first part, the verse 13, many, many times. But verse 14, oh man, there's something going on in there that I hadn't realized before. God doesn't delight at all in comfortable, emotionless, religious, vacant-hearted people. That might be a shock, but it's true. God doesn't delight at all in people who are not fully engaged in their heart for him. He wants to see He wants us to see him and be astounded, amazed, fearfully reverent of him. He wants us to be in awe. That's not only what God requires, it's what he desires. Growing up, how many of you had parents that taught you to go to church? Okay, that's great. That's amazing. And for those of you who didn't have parents like that, the fact that you're here this morning, I'm amazed. I think that's awesome. But the truth is... God doesn't want us to be at church because our parents have trained us to be here. Would you agree? Do you want to be here only because your parents trained you to be here? I don't. I think that sucks, to be honest. But Jesus wants us to be here because our heart, we in our heart, we are in awe of him. And there's no place that we'd rather be than together with God's people in God's house, giving God glory because we've seen him all throughout our lives in the week that we just lived. Doesn't that actually sound way more fulfilling to us to be at church for those reasons rather than, ah, you know, I've been doing this since I was 10 years old. I just don't know what else to do on Sunday morning, so I may as well go. Doesn't that, like, which one do you want? You've got to answer for yourself. If you want to be here just because your parents said it was a good idea, I think you're selling yourself short. That's all I'm trying to say. 
The importance of awe in our lives is huge. It, it saves us from being Christians in name only. People who are not actually Christians. If you do not have awe in your heart for God, I don't know if you can be saved. That's a, that's a bold statement. If you have an issue with that, come and talk to me. But the Bible says that the awe that we have in our heart, the love that we have in our heart for Jesus, that's what he's after. He's never after the religious people who follow all the rules. That's why he rejected the Pharisees. That's why they're called a brood of vipers. That's why he says, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden, because it was the Pharisees who were all about religion, and they were just heaping rules on people. Go to church, say your prayers, give your offerings. That was the message of the Pharisees. But Jesus says, give me your heart. That's what I care about. Be in awe of me. See the signs, the wonders, the miracles. That's what I want you to know about me. Doesn't that sound much more fulfilling to you? It does to me. Isaiah 29 verse 14, once again, it says, Therefore, once more, I will astound people with wonder after wonder. You know, think about wonders that God could do in our lives. And do you ever think to yourself, man, if if God would just do something like a wonder, something miraculous in my life, I would be in awe of him if he would just reveal himself to me or like appear before me or send an angel or something. Of course I'd be in awe. It'd be incredible. I couldn't help it, right? Like we wonder about these kinds of things. I just want God to blow me away, to show himself to me. But I think sometimes we look for awe in the absolutely stupendous things in life and we miss out on how obvious God is in some of the small things. I want to share a story with you that proves, I believe, or shows us that God doesn't just show up in miraculous things, but also in common things, things where we don't even expect him to show up. So an American author and pastor named Max Lucado was down in Brazil doing some teaching. Between classes, he took a short walk down the street to get a cup of coffee when a street orphan no more than six years old with a dirty face, matted hair, and a torn t-shirt tapped Max's hand and said, Pau, senor, which means bread, sir. Locato motioned for the little boy to come with him into a streetside cafe. The boy pointed to a pastry that he saw through the glass counter, so Max ordered a coffee for himself and the pastry for the little boy. Max had opportunities each day that he was in Brazil to buy food for a street orphan. And most of the time, these street orphans would take what they were given and without saying a word, run back into the streets. The little boy received his pastry and Max seated himself all the way down at the far end of this counter. Max looked up for a moment and he saw the little boy standing in the entrance of the cafe like he was about to leave. And Max said, ah, yeah, there goes another one. But the boy looked around for a moment and Max watched him. And then when the little boy spotted Max, he hurried over to Max And he said, obrigado, which means thank you. Then, nervously scratching the back of his ankle with his barefooted big toe, he said, moito, abrigado, which means thank you very much. Suddenly, Max was filled with a desire to buy the little boy everything in the cafe, But before Max could say a word, the little boy turned and hurried out the door into the street. And then Max, 
was immediately blown away by a thought that pierced his heart. The thought came to him, and it was this. If I am so moved by a street orphan who says, thank you for a piece of bread, how much more is God moved when I pause to thank him, really thank him for saving my soul? Over the next hour, Max sat in that cafe while his coffee grew cold and while he became late for his next class. And he was in awe of God revealing himself and a beautiful truth in just a brief and innocent moment. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we look for the miraculous, but I think God actually whispers to us in moments like this every day. And I love moments like this. We don't see it coming. And then all of a sudden, wow, God, I see you. You've revealed yourself to me. You've shown me something about you that I needed to know. Thank you. So we've, we've asked the question, what is awe? We've asked the question, why is it important? And I think we're, we're starting to understand these things. The next question is, how can we be? in awe of Jesus. How do we learn this? How do we teach ourselves this? How do we practice this? In Matthew 13, Jesus teaches the parable of the sower and the seeds, which depicts people's different reactions to the message of Jesus. And then his disciples, after he teaches this parable, they come to him and they ask him, Jesus, why do you speak to people in parables? And here's part of Jesus's answer in Matthew 13, verse 11. He says, because The knowledge of the secrets of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now, this is a bit of an interesting verse, because you read this on your own. It's like, okay, so the knowledge of the secrets of heaven, the understanding of heaven has been given to some, but not to others. I think some people probably read this and they think, man, if I just had knowledge like that, I'd be totally in awe of God. I would never desert him. I'd never be unfaithful to him, right? Some people also read this, and I think that they may hear that this verse sounds like favoritism. Some people are chosen to know Jesus, and some people aren't. It sounds like Jesus is giving some people knowledge of himself, but he's not doing that for others. Is that what Jesus does? No. Remember, the point of the parable that Jesus is just following up on here is how different people choose to respond to him. That's a very important thing to get. This is not about Jesus giving one person knowledge and not to another. It's about how people choose to respond to Jesus. When you read that parable, it says that some people are hard-hearted. They actually hear that message about Jesus and they're like, I am so not interested in that. And then it says that Satan steals that message away from their hearts. Some people in that parable, also the, it's being taught to us that some people, they believe in Jesus real quick and they're oh, like, man, this is awesome. I'm in. This is going to be great. And then a week or two or three later, they lose all interest and they totally give up on Jesus after a very short while. Some people hear about Jesus and they're like, ah, yeah, that sounds good. But man, honestly, everything that I have in my life right now, the relationship I have, the money I have, the career I have, I just don't think I need to trade any of that in. And I don't really need Jesus because I think I'm happy on my own. And then finally, there is one kind of person who's open, who's receptive, who's willing to hear this message, to believe in it, to embrace Jesus. 
And then this message of Jesus, it reproduces good things in this person's life. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was given to them. So because we know that Jesus is talking about how people respond to him, verse 12, the next verse I want to share, is key for us to understand how to have awe for Jesus. So Matthew 13, verse 12 says, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So this verse starts with whoever has. Whoever has what? What is it talking about? What Jesus means is whoever has a heart that is open and receptive and interested in me. That person who is spiritually open and receptive to Jesus will receive more of Jesus, abundantly more, as this verse says. But just like there were three people in the parable who were not spiritually receptive to Jesus, that means that there are people who have a little bit. And the little that they have is going to be taken from them because they're actually not interested in Jesus. They're not in awe of him. They've made a choice to put their awe or their interest or their receptibility towards other things. So the question that we're trying to answer here is, how do we learn to be in awe of Jesus? And we're learning here that God's not going to transform our hearts against our will. He's not going to overtake us when we haven't invited him to. But he's willing to abundantly give himself to those who want him. So this ties back to the hunger that we talked about last week, doesn't it? Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Filled with what? Filled with righteousness. So it's the same principle here. What we desire, what we are spiritually open to in Jesus, that's what Jesus is going to give us of more and abundantly more. So we have to already tune our hearts into Jesus. If we sit here and we say, Jeff, I just want the service to be over because it's hot and I have better things to do. That's a heart that desperately needs to say, Jesus, I need a change. I want to change. If you're listening online and you're just tuning in, checking out this whole idea about Jesus, and you're thinking to yourself, dang, this service is going on forever. Well, get get used to it, because this is always how it goes, first of all. (laughs) But secondly, you need to decide for yourself what you want. If you want Jesus, if you want to be open to him, if you want to receive from him, that's what you have to desire. Jesus isn't going to go against your will and give you a desire that you do not want. I firmly believe that because that's the way it's worked in my life. But when we do that, when we say, Jesus, I want you. I want what you have. I want the gospel to be fully alive in me. I want everything that you have. Then we're going to be filled. Filled with only the righteousness that God can provide us. What do you think happens when God's generous abundance fills our lives? Have you ever wondered about that? What do you think it would look like if we were fully taken over by the abundance of Jesus Christ? I think we're going to be in awe of him to the point where we're going to constantly see him in our lives. We're not going to have to like look back months and months and months into the past to see, oh yeah, I think I remember this one time where Jesus was kind of present and I think I felt 
goosebumps or whatever it was. Yeah, I think Jesus was there. I don't think it's going to be like that when Jesus is abundantly with us. I think it's going to be every day, every moment of every day. We're going to be like, oh, Lord, I see you. You are so obvious to me. Even if I was trying to hide from you, I couldn't because you are real. I think we're going to have these moments where we're going to constantly see Jesus in our lives and then it'll be like, oh Lord, your blessings are out of this world. I can't believe I never saw these things before. I recognize now how much you love me and I'm in awe of you because I have desired you and, I've, and you have given me more than I ever dreamed of. Psalm 23 verse 5, the psalmist is talking about what he can receive from the Lord and he says what the Lord gives him causes his cup to overflow. That's in abundance. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, just checking. Ephesians 3.20. Track with me here, people. We need to be in agreement about these things audibly. I would, I would encourage you to agree and say amen. Not because it encourages me, but because it encourages you to believe what is going on in your heart, okay? Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. That's amazing, Right? His powers at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we would ask or think of. That's incredible, right? Yeah, like, if you understand these things, that the power that we have within us is nothing. Nothing. I have the power to bench press 150 pounds. Big whoop. I have the power to grow an amazing beard. I have the power to drive my van. But that's about it. Like really, if, we, if we're impressed with ourselves to the point where we say, I don't need awe for God. I am my own God. That's a scary place to be, friends. So we need to agree that Jesus can do more than we could even dream of or ask or imagine is possible in our lives. Doesn't that sound exciting? Like that's the kind of life I want to live as a follower of Jesus. I don't want you to raise your hand, and I don't, definitely don't want you to answer out loud for, for this next question, but I want you to be brutally honest with yourselves. Do you want, do you want what Jesus is offering to you? I'm not just talking about entering eternal life, okay? But I mean the things that Jesus wants to give you now in this life. Do you want Jesus to be present with you in your life today? Do you want to feel his presence? Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to work in you, to work through you so that you can minister to others and help them get to know God in the same way that you do? Do you want the word of God to come alive in you and make sense? Do you want to see miracles? I do. Do you want to witness faithfully and confidently being a bright light that burns without fading in a dark world? Do you want to see Jesus and be in awe of him? Then remember this part from Matthew 13. Whoever has, whoever has a spiritually receptive heart, more will be given to them and in abundance. It's up to you and me to choose to desire Jesus. 
But for me, in my life, I've made that choice. I've made that choice. I'm confident of that. And it's because I'm in awe of Jesus that I can see that I, I can be confident of that choice. My parents didn't make that choice for me. My friends didn't make that choice for me. My wife, as amazing as she is, she didn't make that choice for me. And none of you did. No one could make that choice for me. I had to choose to desire Jesus, to want to be in awe of Jesus for myself. Because I don't want some blind, boring, go-through-the-motions, frustrating, vacant-hearted religious experience that so many Christians settle for. What a jip. I want to do life with Jesus. So I told Jesus, Lord, I want to be receptive to you. I don't even know what that means, but I know that I want that. I want everything that you have for me, even though I couldn't possibly name all the wonderful things that you desire to give me because I can't ask or imagine for those kinds of things, right? And Jesus has given me an abundance of, my, of himself. I can look back at every single day, and I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes I stand up here and people probably think, ah, Jeff's just probably trying to get us hyped up. I'm not. I'm just trying to tell the, the truth to you from my own experience. Every single day, for years, decades, I can look back now at every single day and I can tell you where I saw Jesus moving. And I can tell you where he revealed himself to me and I am in awe. How many of you believe me? I love the skepticism. I'm going to prove you all wrong right here, right now. So it'd be easy for me to look back at the, the, the hugest highlights of my life. Ten years ago, Jesus did this. Fifteen years ago, that. Let's not do that, okay? Let's shorten it. Are you guys, would it be fair for me to tell you about one day from this past week where I was in awe of Jesus 11 times? Would you say that that's legitimate? Would you say that that's legitimate? Okay, just making sure. Because if you don't, you need to come and talk to me. Because we have some hard work to do, right? Okay, so I'm going to tell you about one day from this last week. This is from Wednesday. These are all the times that I saw God in awe that I can tell you about. Some of them you have to be more discreet because it would betray a trust. (laughs) So I woke up and I got ready for the day. And I was at church by 7 a.m. Once I got there, I started my day in prayer. Thanking God for the things that I experienced with him the previous day. I thank God for Melissa Renus starting at our church because we had been praying for well over a year for a children's pastor, and now here she was, the answer to our prayers. No pressure, Melissa. I thanked him and I got to, that I also got to meet some new people through volunteering to keep score at the Babe Ruth baseball tournament. I love meeting new people. Jesus knows that I love that. And I thank Jesus that my family and I got to know another family a little bit better by having them over for s'mores in the evening on Tuesday night. So I saw Jesus in what I was thankful for. The things that I was thankful for were the things that God supplied in my life. That's just one. So after I got my day started with prayer or with, uh, with thanking God, after that I read John 8 verse 1 to 11 and the Lord showed me something from that passage that I had never seen before. God revealed himself to me in his word. That's two. After my devotion time, I started working on the message for today and Jesus met me as I asked questions and I wondered and I listened and he answered me and I was in awe. Lord, I never thought about that about awe. I never thought about that as a heart conditioning thing that I need to know. Thank you, Jesus. So I saw Jesus once again revealing himself to me as I meditated on his word and spent time with him. I went to visit Delbert.
I went to visit Delbert at the hospital. On Tuesday morning, I shared two Bible passages with him. I told him about our, our church picnic and how terrific it was. And I prayed with him. I saw Jesus in our visit together. Because I was fighting off tears. As we visited, I wondered about what it's like to be in Delbert's shoes. And God just gave me this understanding of the mercy that he has for us. Sorry. And God directed my thoughts. I wondered about the next generation. Who would come and minister to me in the hospital in 40 or 50 years when I'm Delbert's age? Who else is going to step up and run with Jesus when I'm old? The Lord showed me one person in particular here at CFC who's doing that right now. And he made me so thankful for them. He told me that I need to learn from them because they actually have things that they could teach me about ministering to people and and doing things in the way that they do them for those who are in need. God met me in a hospital visit to an elderly person. I got back to church and I kept working on the message before grabbing lunch at the queue. I intended to just go to the queue, grab lunch and bring it back and just kind of eat at my desk and keep working because I, I was a little short on time, I felt. But when I was at the queue, there were five students from the high school that saw me and they waved me over and we had lunch together. And I saw God in that because these are students that I've been praying for for months that I want to get to know. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to love him and be in awe of him like I am. And they wanted to spend time with me. A guy who's more than twice their age. I saw God at the queue. I got back for, for, to church for a one o'clock appointment and I met with someone and we prayed together. I felt God helping me in that meeting as we talked, as we searched for answers together, as we prayed. I saw Jesus as I met with someone and we sought Jesus together. I went back to the ball diamond on Wednesday because the tournament was continuing. I was there by two o'clock and two of the baseball guys that I had been praying for as well because I've been ministering to these guys as best I could through, a, through the baseball team. They came up and hugged me. I don't even know why, but they did. They initiated it. And I was thankful once again, Lord, these are, here's more students, different ones, and they, and they want to hug me. They want to be a part of life with me. And you're giving me favor. You're giving me a voice in their life. Thank you, Jesus. I saw Jesus at the baseball field. After the games were over and I was home for just a few moments, my family and I remembered that that Jordan invited us to come and watch his softball game. So we went to the other end of town. We went to the softball diamonds. And I got to meet someone that I hadn't met before. Jesus knows I love meeting new people. This person recognized me because I'd done volleyball lines uh, at at the games at the high school. And they recognized me there. And we chatted. And I know his name. And now I can see him. And I can call him by name. And I can build a relationship with him. So I can lead him to Jesus, hopefully. that I see Jesus at the softball game. Once we got home, we all got ready for bed. I prayed with Lucy. And Karen prayed with Easton that night. We often take turns praying with each, with each of our kids. After Lucy prayed, I was just struck with how she has matured and grown in her faith. I told her that I loved listening to her pray because she prays like Jesus is right there with her on her bed. And I, I could see Jesus in my daughter. 
And then we switched rooms. I went and said goodnight to Easton. And I, I told Easton at bedtime that I was so pleased with how he and Lucy spent time with, with Jordan's son, Drake, at the softball game. They all ran around the bases together on an empty baseball diamond, and Easton and Lucy made sure that they let Drake win. I see God's character increasing in my kids. I love that. Once Karen and I went to bed, we prayed too. And it was easy to thank God once again for how he's in our lives. We looked back at our day and we thanked him for so many things where he was clearly visible. And together we were in awe of Jesus like we are at the end of every day. And I was thankful in that moment that God is in my marriage and that he is the center of my marriage. As I wrote all of these things down on Thursday morning, and then I read them back to myself, because I always do that in my office. I, I write stuff down, I read it back out loud just to hear how it sounds. I just couldn't take it any longer. The Lord overwhelmed me, and I was in awe, because I saw God everywhere in my life. The tears began flowing as I sat at my desk, and I was in reverence for God, because I could see him, and I was in awe of him. If we are spiritually open and receptive, hungering for God, he will give us an abundance of himself. If we have God in abundance, our awe for him is going to be easy. It's going to be something we can't even avoid if we want to. Because God will reveal himself. He will astound us with wonder after wonder. Ron and Kathy, why don't you guys come on up and I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, maybe that's just the trick. We need to stop and pause and look back and in hindsight say, oh yeah, that's Jesus. When I was over here with these people, that was Jesus. When I was thinking this and wondering about this, I've never wondered about those things before. That was Jesus. Lord Jesus, oh, please, desperately, Lord, I am praying that you would help us to hunger for you like we did last week, like we talked about last week. And then we would be in awe. We would not be cold and turned off from you just going through the motions I pray that we would be so unsatisfied with a religious experience where we just do what we were taught to do by another human, but instead we would be in awe of the God who is alive, who has risen from the dead, and who has moved into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. I pray, Jesus, that we would be in awe of you like that, and that we would receive from you more because we desire more. And we would get this abundance from you, Father, that we just can't get anywhere else. Help us, to, help us to take stock of our lives and to be unsatisfied. I pray for, for dissatisfaction over every person in this room. And everyone who can hear my voice right now on YouTube or later on if they hear this message. I pray for extreme dissatisfaction. Because we never want to be in awe of this earth and the life that we can live here. That is such a trick of the devil. But we want to be in awe of you, Holy Spirit the way that you live in our lives, the way that you work and are amazing. Cause us to have awe 
like that for you. Amen.